Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Any of you been on 32nd Avenue lately? (laughs) I guess so. What a mess. What a mess. It's a bundle of confusion, especially for those people who haven't gone through it yet, right? So you're cut off from using certain lanes. People don't know where to go. Barrels appear everywhere. It's a twisting, confusing maze. It can be, especially at night. It's all in the name of progress. I guess it's still a mess. I wouldn't know. You know why? I avoid it. I avoid it because it's a mess. It's slower. It's more inconvenient. It's not what I'm used to. Right? So it bothers me. So I just avoid it. Sometimes we do that with construction. In today's epistle, you, that's right, you, you all as a congregation, you all as God's people, you as individuals, are part of God's construction project. In today's epistle lesson, you are called living stones. Don't worry, you didn't do that. God actually doesn't have a whole lot of material to work with, to be honest with you. Because when I hear about stone, you know what comes to mind? It's Ezekiel 26. Because that's what God calls your heart. Stone. But, God promises that He can work with it. That he can transform it. That he can change that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. So here's what he says in Ezekiel 26. Now listen to this language. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove your heart of stone from you and from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now, what does that sound like to you? Sprinkle you with water. Cleanse you from uncleanliness. Grant you my spirit. What does it sound like to you? It sounds like baptism. And although it might be a stretch to say, well, he's talking about baptism here. That Ezekiel is pointing towards baptism. It certainly points to, right? Reminds us of God's gifts that are given to us in our baptism. Baptism is our entry. It's your entry into the church for most of us, right? It's our entry into the church. God began his good work in you through the water and the word. At the font of grace, what does he do? He puts his name on you. You are his. You belong to him. He makes you a promise that that's the case. He pours out His Holy Spirit on you to give you faith so that you might believe in His Word. Again, transforming that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. He connects you to Christ. He covers you in the flood of Christ's righteousness. That's our entry into the church. And then in that church, right, God continues to feed and nourish that faith that He's begun through word and sacrament, right? It's not just a one and done. It's not like, okay, baptism, now um, now we're good until confirmation, and then after that we graduate. No, in this church, God 
continues to feed and nourish you through word and sacrament. That's what he's established. That's what our Lord's commanded. And they provide food for us that we never outgrow, okay? So today, we, we hear about spiritual milk, right? Spiritual milk. Um, spiritual milk. And that's word and sacrament. It's food that we never outgrow. I don't know if you've been paying attention to current trends, but there's some biting commercials that are making fun of all the plant-based milks now and saying, you know, go back to cow milk, you know. I know some of you are lactose intolerant, right? You can't have cow milk. But even if you don't have an objection to milk, um, maybe you feel a little bit too grown up to be drinking it. I don't know, you know? It's like I, I don't go around with my chocolate milk. I, I don't do that. You feel a little bit too grown up to be drinking milk on a regular basis, right? I put it in my cereal, maybe a little in my coffee, but I'm not just drinking milk. I don't know about you guys, but... I don't feel like a man when I'm drinking milk. That's just me, right? I can't have it anyway, too many carbs. Anyway, I digress, right? We're not going to go down that wormhole. Peter says, uh, you can't take that attitude with word and sacrament. I've outgrown it. Don't need it, right? Because that is the spiritual milk. So here's what he says. Like newborn infants, don't think you're all grown up. You're not. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Right? Right? The kid's doing it, so should you. Yeah. And then Peter tells us why. Why do we need this spiritual milk? Because this actually is a means by which we are connected to the risen, ascended Christ, who has promised to be with his church through this spiritual milk of word and sacrament. Till the end of the age. That's what he says. I'm with you always to the end of the age until I return. Through word and sacrament, we come to Jesus, where Jesus has promised to be. And more importantly, much more importantly, he comes to us. And this milk does a body good. Remember that? It does a body good. And not only the body, but the soul as well. And then Peter mixes metaphors a little bit, so I have to do it too. But he tells us what God is doing through this spiritual milk. And this is where we kind of transition from the milk metaphor to the building metaphor, the construction metaphor. So here's what he says. As you come to him, that is Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. It's passive, right? God's doing the construction. Are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Are being built up. You are part of God's construction project. God's activity, His gracious activity through word and sacrament. And it transforms you into living stones, a spiritual house. Again, both collectively and individually. As you come to Jesus, as you hear God's word, revealed by him, fulfilled in him, lived out by him, as you hear law and gospel, you need both, you're being built up. You're being built up. God's doing his construction on you. 
God's sending you His Spirit through the means of grace to dwell in you collectively, individually. As a living stone, you are brought to God's dwelling place and you are God's dwelling place. And you need both. You need both. Here's the thing. Not only has God enlivened a dead stone, which is miraculous enough, right? Not only has God made you a part of his church by creating faith in you, living faith, truly part of the invisible church, right? God has also made you part. Now think about this. A holy priesthood. You ever thought of yourselves that way? Probably not. What does this mean? A holy priesthood. As part of the priesthood of all believers in His church, you have direct, unblocked access to God through word and sacrament. Okay? You have direct, unblocked access to God through word and sacrament. You draw near to Him, as we mentioned. He draws near to you. And not only that, your lives are empowered by the Holy Spirit and sanctified by Christ's life for you. So you offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, prayer, praise, and service that are acceptable to God because of Jesus. You declare the excellencies of Him who called you out of your darkness into your marvelous light. Prayer, praise, service, thanksgiving. And it's all acceptable. Not because you're doing it, because it's been sanctified by Jesus. An incredible construction project. This is who you are now. Word and sacrament aren't just things for us to do so that we can, you know, check it off our list. Okay, done it. Good. So that God will accept us. They are the things by which God brings His mercy, His grace, Himself into your life directly, right? Directly. You like Amazon? Great. You should love word and sacrament. Directly into your life. Today. Now. Next week, hopefully. We'll see you then too, right? The week after that. Wherever the gospel is purely taught, and preached, and the sacraments are rightly administered. There is God doing His work. You are being built up. And that cornerstone is not our work. That cornerstone is what God has done through Christ. Christ is our cornerstone. And God promised this a long time ago through the prophet Isaiah, right? Behold, God says. Listen, pay attention, right? Whenever you hear a behold, looky here. I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him, this is great, whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Um, God will accept you and has. Without Christ, our cornerstone, there can be no spiritual house, right? No living stones, no church, no priesthood. Without the living stone, we are not acceptable to God and we are dead in our sins. But with the living stone, that's a different story. We are accepted on account of Him. We are being built up, enlivened, because God graciously comes to us through that living stone of Christ Jesus, who is 
alive forevermore, ruling and reigning for all eternity. Here's the problem. The uh, human reason scoffs at this idea, right? We can't see it happening, right? So it scoffs at the idea. So we manufacture other ways that we're being built up, uh, that we're being made alive. And so we do it by amusement. We do it by entertainment. We do it by anything uh, that catches our fancy and makes us feel better, as long as it's not the cornerstone. Okay? And the call to repent uh, and turn to God. Not everyone sees Jesus and Jesus alone as chosen and precious, right? We know this. Not everyone believes in him as the true cornerstone upon which the church is built. Not everyone believes that he is Savior, Lord, and God. Not everyone really realizes that the reason he has come is so that we might be forgiven and reconciled to God, right? Even the religious people of his day didn't realize it. Think about that. Crazy, right? They thought that their righteousness, their deeds were the key. They're the cornerstone. And they rejected Christ because of it. And Peter not only talks about God choosing this chosen in stone, but others rejecting it, right? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The prophet Isaiah, too, notes that he will be rejected. Jesus, the precious living cornerstone, would be considered a stone of a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. But why? Why are people so offended by Jesus? Because if Jesus is God and Jesus is Lord, that means you are not. That means you are not. If Jesus is Lord and God, that means no created thing is not. And Lord is just another way to say he's divine. Okay? So many things drive us, created things drive us to worship them and have that be the cornerstone of our lives and place God in a way distant second. So Jesus starts us on a construction project, right? Tears that all up. Jesus, the Word made flesh, delivers that law and gospel to us that tears down our idols. The Word made flesh calls us away from the roads that our sinful natures love to travel. He calls us from going our own way with the explicit purpose of trying to avoid what God is trying to do in us, right? We'd rather cling to the things of the flesh. In Christ, God calls all to repent and believe the gospel. God works to conform and transform us to the likeness of His Son. The problem is our sinful nature does not want Him to do it. The construction is messy. means your life looks different. It means you are different. Walking in God's ways often means not taking the easy path, right? It means sacrifice. Putting others before yourself, right? And when the Spirit leads and guides people to follow God in His ways, not the ways of the world, we don't always fit in. When you do not follow the ways of the world, the world cannot and will not tolerate it, will not understand it. 
But God's work isn't something to be avoided. It's, it's a gift. Right? We know that in Jesus, our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. In Jesus, you have received a changed heart and mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus, again, the way that God views you is different. The way that he deals with you is different. You are viewed and received as righteous, even though you're not, because of Jesus. Dead stones, which is what God started out with, are living stones because of Christ. Those who are far off are now priests who can draw near. This cornerstone does all of these things as he brings you into his true church. This is the scandal of Christ who alone is chosen and precious. Our prophet who brings the fullness of God's peace. Our priest who brings the fullness of God's pardon. And our king who brings us the fullness of, yes, the kingdom. This honor is for you who believe. Because of your living faith, Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Things are different. So why do we reject Jesus still, even as his people? Well, again, the devil, our sinful flesh, will resent the work God is doing. They see his work as unwarranted, inconvenient, and a plot to haul God's good work. Now, just let's just get on the broken. Let's just get back on those broken, those those things we're so familiar with, those broken paths of our lives that lead to our eternal destruction. Anything away from the gospel. You know, Peter knows what he's writing about. He does. When Jesus revealed to Peter that he would suffer and die, the apostle presumed to correct Jesus. Remember, this isn't the road I want, Jesus. It's not the road I want for me. It's not the road I want for you. And what does our Lord say? He rebukes Peter and addresses him as if Peter were Satan himself. Saying that the apostle had in mind the things of men rather than the things of God. Peter would know what he's writing about. Through Christ's teaching and preaching, Peter eventually understood what it meant to be a living stone and a house built on the cornerstone. He understood. And he exchanged his ideas of an earthly kingdom for a far more abundant and rich heavenly one. He exchanged the idea of earthly glory and reigning and ruling through military might for a life of service. Peter exchanged the idea of saving his own skin and saving his own life to losing it so that others might find life in Christ and in Him alone. So continue to receive your spiritual milk, folks. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Amen.